Having the proper mindset requires you to choose the appropriate attitude for the proper situation. And by the way, we teach in the fish philosophy that the appropriate attitude isn't necessarily all peaches and cream. You know, it's not always to just go, oh, somebody just broke their leg. Oh, okay, hey, that's all right, everybody be happy. That's not what choosing your attitude is about. Welcome to the Miles and the Markers podcast, everyone. I'm Gene Girdley. Today is Wednesday, February the 9th, 2022. Man, can you believe it's February already? So much happening in the world, in life. A lot of it good, some of it not so good. A lot of people facing challenges out there in work, in life. Um, mental health challenges, physical challenges. There is a lot going on. And, you know, when I think about doing the podcast and I open up the mic and I just start talking, I do have a plan, but I just start talking. I'm not really sure what I'm going to say other than reading the book. But I... I'm always mindful of what's taking place in the world because it helps me to stay grounded. You know, to be aware of family, to be aware of friends, to be aware of things that are going on with people you're connected with and caring about those things, really actually caring about those things makes a difference for me anyway. I don't know. Does it for you to care about other people instead of just focusing on what's in your own life? When I, when I used to travel regularly, I, I used to get this vision when I'd walk through airports. I'd get this vision because people would not care about anyone else around them unless they were traveling with someone. They wouldn't care about anybody around them. And so I got this vision of people walking around with a globe around their head. Only, you know, when you see a globe, uh, I don't know, many people may not have seen globes lately, but if you see a globe and you spin it around, and especially if it's one of those like 3D globes with the raised uh, geography, you know, mountains and things like that, um, all of that 3D stuff is on the outside. Well, I pictured people with the globes around their head, but everything on the inside. Because the only thing that matters is what's in their world. You know, stepping on people, walking right through people, cutting people off, um, talking really loud on their cell phone, sitting in a crowded area where no one else can hear themselves think. All that kind of stuff in an airport. It, it just is so fascinating to me. But as I get into the book and I'm thinking about leadership, I'm thinking about great leaders being people who really care, who really care about other people. It's not just about their bottom line or what they're doing for themselves. So as I begin reading today, that's what popped into my head. So that's why I talked about it. 
And I'm going to do something a little different today because you'll notice if you read the book, The Miles and the Markers, there are some miles that are like one page long. Because the way I set the book up was, in fact, the subtitle of the book is 52 Weeks of Experiences to Improve Your Life and Enhance Your Journey. So that it was more like a weekly devotional type thing. And here I am reading it as a podcast. So I'm going to read two, two miles today, mile nine and mile 10. And even though mile 10 is titled Be Efficient and Be Positive, it actually talks about another leader in my life from my work experience. So it fits really well with mile nine, learn from every leader. So here we go. My first pastor, Wayne Taylor, drove a school bus part-time and began his ministry hosting a home group of believers who listened to Chuck Smith cassette tapes. Uh, you know, during the late 60s and 70s, what is what was called in religious circles, the Jesus movement. And it was where a huge evangelistic movement took place across the United States, especially, and then ultimately in the rest of the world. Because A, ministers like Chuck Smith rose up who just taught the Bible word for word with a more simple approach to understanding it. In other words, I want to teach the masses what it means. And I want to make it simple. And I want to go verse by verse and teach people what it means, as opposed to needing a theological degree or having to attend a church where everything was a liturgy. In other words, it was read from a book this week on this date of the year, you just read over and over the same thing. So you could count on the fact that if you went to a liturgical church, that on uh, the second week of February, you would hear that sermon. So a lot of ministers changed all that, and that's where the Calvary Chapel movement came into place, of which I was part of. And Chuck had a program called The Word for Today, where he would take little blocks, 20-minute segments of his sermons on Sundays and send them out via cassette tape so that people could listen to them. And so those of us who attended Calvary Chapels would have these cassettes in our cars, and we would listen to them regularly. Well, a group of people got together on a Wednesday night and would listen to these cassette tapes and then they would have discussions about it. And that group started to grow. And as a result, Wayne Taylor came and he actually had experience in ministry and as, had a pastoral heart, which was more of a really a shepherding heart. And he came to the group and eventually that group sprung into a church that has been one of the bigger churches in the Pacific Northwest for years called Calvary Fellowship. Well, Wayne played guitar. And so what they would do is Wayne would lead worship, lead a praise time, and then they would listen to these tapes. And eventually Wayne began to uh, teach the Bible studies as opposed to having the tapes. So Wayne played guitar and had a passion for the Bible that nobody had shown me before. Uh, being one of Wayne's, quote, disciples and learning biblical fundamentals from him was great. More importantly, learning what it meant to love Jesus from watching Wayne's life was even better. So in this case, Wayne took his faith seriously and he actually lived it out. He didn't just talk about it 
at Bible studies or at church on Sunday, he behaved like a believer. And but he was just a normal guy too. You know, we played basketball together and did all the fun stuff and and we'd laugh and joke and and have fun just being people, right? Um, but when it came to what he believed about scripture and, and who he believed Jesus was and that relationship that believers are uh, really meant to have, he lived it. So he was a perfect example for me. You know, walk the talk is what Wayne presented for me. So when not reading the Bible or working, I learned to play guitar and I participated in street witnessing with the group from Calvary Fellowship in Seattle. And to learn new music, I picked up a little worship songbook illustrated by Greg Laurie called Rejoice in Jesus Always. I still have a copy of that book in my library. And Greg has gone on to lead one of the largest evangelical ministries in the world called Harvest Crusades. Uh, back then, when he was um, attending Chuck Smith's ministry at Calvary Chapel, he would illustrate uh, these, these cartoons. And um, and then he illustrated the cover and put all these worship songs together for this Rejoice in Jesus Always. And it had the fingerings on the guitar. And so I self-taught myself how to play guitar. Now, I have to tell you this story that some of you know, my mom was a country western singer and she had a full on band. In fact, her band even played um at places like, you know, Knott's Berry Farm. And she sang the national anthem at Dodger Stadium. And her band was on a show called McLeod Once, um, where they performed as the band that followed around with Hoyt Axton uh, and in a show called Russia with Love. So they were actually on TV. And when my mom came back from Taiwan one time after a performance there, she actually bought a guitar for me. I think I was like eight or nine years old. And her lead guitar player volunteered to teach me guitar. Now, at the time, with my parents separated, um, I didn't want to have anything to do with guitar because my dad wanted me to be a professional baseball player. So I was like, no, I don't want to learn how to do that. So that guitar just sat around. I did nothing with it. But after I became a Christian and I began attending services with Wayne and seeing him play guitar and singing and the opportunities that came from singing and doing street witnessing with guitar, I grabbed a guitar and I started to play it and I self-taught myself. So I've been playing guitar since um, 1976. And uh, the guitar itself that I own is kind of a, an interesting story. I'll tell you for a later time. But anyway, um, it wasn't long before leading worship at the college Bible study on Wednesday evenings at Bellevue Community College was a weekly event for me. Three years later, my ministry would be to lead the congregation on Sunday mornings for Pastor Lee Bennett's Calvary North Shore in Bothell, Washington. Lee brought elements of psychology and understanding human behavior into his teaching. And so again, this mile is called Learn from Every Leader. I learned, you know, walk the talk from Wayne, which led me into opening up an opportunity for me to do music and ministry in that way. And then I learned um, human behavior elements 
of biblical understanding and psychology through Lee. I would later be ordained and serve as junior high director, youth pastor, and pastor of lay ministries at Ocean Hills Community Church in San Juan Capistrano, California. During that time, my travels took me to Israel to learn about the Bible in a place where it all happened. And several pastors taught me leadership skills there, including Jim Glenn, Paul Spitz, Homer Wiesner, and Ridge Burns. Working with Ridge, who is also an author of many books, allowed my wife and I to do ministry in places where most people would choose not to serve, like the ghettos and slums of the inner cities and impoverished areas in Mexico. So we had, a, what a rich opportunity we had there, um, learning from these ministry leaders about caring for people, about ministering to people who were hurting, drug addicted, homeless, um, in poor countries who uh, were fortunate if they had good water or places um, to use the toilet. Uh, this was such a, a wonderful time for me to learn about uh, people and to learn how people cared for one another in places that weren't uh, as wealthy as Orange County, California, for example. And along the way in doing youth ministry, now I'm back to the book, we developed some pretty cool things in ministry. One of our ideas was published in a youth ministry magazine with the cover feature noting our, quote, CIA or Christians in Action idea. And the goal was to get our, quote, agents or our youth group to do regular Bible study, acts of kindness, and other services similar to what the Boys and Girl Scouts do, except this was based on biblical principles of witnessing and leadership and discipleship. And students earned a promotion to different levels with the ultimate achievement being the rank of spy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, actually fits from a biblical perspective. Um, first of all, there's the story of the spies going into the promised land before uh, Joshua led the children of Israel over. But then also um, the Bible speaks about Christians being in the world, but not of the world and being ambassadors for Christ. So in a way, we're like covert operation uh, experts from a Christianity standpoint, because um, we're here doing things that uh, the world in general, especially governments of the world and dictatorships, uh, would be opposed to. And so anything, in fact, I mean, I'm blessed in one way, I guess you would look at it, to be living in a country where currently we are not persecuted for what we believe in. But let me tell you, there are countries in this world where those who profess faith in Christ, whether or not they're trying to push it on anybody, just the fact that they profess it, they are tortured, they are imprisoned, they are killed, they are beaten in the same way that Christ was. So, it, you know, this is not a light thing to say you're a believer in anything, really, um, because people are persecuted for what they believe, whether it's Christianity or not. Uh, but we we produced this thing, and so having this this term spy was not an unusual thing. We were later contacted by a ministry in Colorado wanting to develop this further since they had created Mafia, which stood for Mothers and Fathers Interested in Adolescence. And so we actually started having conversations about this 
um, while I was the director of junior high ministries there in Orange County, California. But then we took on a new role of lay ministry leaders shortly thereafter. So we didn't continue with that. Um, and I'm not sure if the other youth director did or not at this point. But another influential minister was author and Christian leader Jim Burns. Um, according to his current bio, he is the president of Homeward. He speaks to thousands of people around the world each year, and he has close to 2 million resources in print in 20 different languages. And at the time, Jim taught youth ministers how to reach kids better. And one of the first things I remember Jim saying was, quote, we were never their age, meaning life is different in ways we can't fully comprehend. This idea is truer today as global culture and technology complicates generational and social changes. And Jim taught us another phrase that is important to develop content. And that is, quote, the essence of creativity is the ability to copy. This really comes from the biblical um, uh, scripture that says there's nothing new under the sun. And, and so this isn't about plagiarism, but this is about the fact that uh, any idea that's out there that is successful, look at it and duplicate the idea, the concept doesn't mean to plagiarize. But so those two concepts from Jim, I learned a lot from. We were never their age, meaning if I'm talking with people today, if I'm marketing, if I'm building a business today, uh, what I came up with, what motivated me, the same fundamental motivations are there. You know, the, the, what do I love? What do I like? What do I need? Those kinds of things are still there from a marketing perspective and how to meet those. But the way we go about it, with new technologies here in the midst of COVID, um, you know, kids not going to school and having to learn via a Zoom call. We were never their age, folks. We were never their age. So we need to be aware of that when we're talking with people, especially if they're not within our generation, because we were never their age. And then the essence of creativity is the ability to copy. So hopefully in this mile, what you've gotten out of this is that every leader, especially those, and I started this podcast talking about caring for other people, but especially leaders who care about other people, they have something to offer. And regardless of what work environment you're in, if you have someone who's leading your organization and they really care about people, they have something unique about them that you can benefit from. Watch for it. Look for it. And so the mile marker that I have listed here in the book is look for strengths in others and seek to follow their example. Become a lifelong learner and impart what you've learned to others. See, I am the beneficiary of all of these people. I'm the beneficiary of Wayne Taylor and Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie and Lee Bennett and Jim Glenn and Paul Spitz and Homer Wazner and Ridge Burns and Jim Burns. I'm the beneficiary of all of these people. And as a result of learning from every leader, it it's natural then to take it to the next level, which is mile 10, which there's kind of a transition here with another leader, but it's something I learned from this leader that's more specific 
to not only learning from every leader, but what can I do with what I learned? And the mile 10 is be efficient and be positive. So while I was serving in ministry, the need to do side work in things like construction, automotive, appliance repair remained. Um, you know, I, I'd fix people's cars for money. I ran my own construction company, a remodel company. I repaired appliances all while I was doing youth work because youth work doesn't pay well in most cases. It's a great thing to do. It's still a passion of mine is working with young people, but um, it doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> so I would do other things. Well, during that time, one of my favorite leaders was Steve Larson. Steve ran a home building company that began with framing houses. Uh, he taught me many things about construction that transfer to other aspects of life and work. And one important thing that he taught me was efficiency and continuous improvement. Steve taught me, for example, never to walk anywhere without carrying something that needed to go where I was going. So on the construction job site, you know, if I walked over to get a drink of water and there was the uh, lumber pile sitting there and that lumber eventually was going to need to be located over by the place that I was working to be cut and used as studs or whatever, I would grab the lumber. Well, I didn't know how to do that when I first started. I never even, it wasn't even in my mind, right? But to be efficient, hey, don't just walk over there. So if I was walking to get a drink of water, maybe there were some lumber scraps that needed to go in the junk pile. I would pick those up and drop them and then go grab the water or whatever it was I was drinking from the ice chest, grabbing a bottle of water and then grab some other lumber and bring it back over. So there was, it was never a wasted energy. So efficiency is required in just about every enterprise, be it sports, work, or home. In the car business, it means proper use of time for yourself, your team, and your customers. Developing and consistently following appropriate processes really help. And as a leader, modeling these behaviors and measuring compliance is an essential aspect of superior management skills. I'm going to read that again, especially for those who are trying to learn something from this podcast, besides just listening to me talk or get inspired or motivated. As a leader, modeling these behaviors, processes, uh, efficiencies, and measuring compliance is an essential aspect of superior management skills. Now, Steve also modeled a behavior that we teach at the fish philosophy called, quote, choose your attitude, end quote. And that's not something that's new, uh, but it is a philosophy that we practice. And uh, there were times when the weather in the Seattle area was horrible or in the summer, uh, there would be a whole bunch of yellow jacket swarms. And Steve always found a way to choose to be positive in all of those situations. And he also looked for ways to get better. So um, one particular day, we were framing the second floor of a two-story salt box style home while Steve was cutting in the stairs. Those of you who are in construction know what that means. Uh, it turned out that the architect had drawn a significant support beam right through the stairwell. So anyone walking up the stairs was hit squarely in the face by a six by 12. Now, some who are listening who may be architects go, oh, that can never happen. And that's in fact what happened here. The, the architect said, we must have done something wrong <laughs> until he came out to the job site later and realized his mistake. Uh, in most cases, 
the crew would have just been sent home without pay until they figured out what to do. But Steve had us lock everything up. He took us to lunch and then he paid us to play a skeet shooting game at a local pub until later that afternoon when the architect showed up. So basically Steve said, look, we're a team. We're going to suffer as a team. Uh, you guys, are, you guys came to work on time today to work all day and you're going to get paid for it. And that was his philosophy, you know? Um, and so we did like a team building activity uh, because he understood that value. And the other part that I loved about him is he never got emotional about anything. He just stayed cool and calm on the job. Um, practicing each day of your daily routines with a positive growth mindset is vital to your continued success. Having the proper mindset requires you to choose the appropriate attitude for the proper situation. And by the way, we teach in the fish philosophy um, that the appropriate attitude isn't necessarily all peaches and cream. You know, it's not always to just go, oh, somebody just broke their leg. Oh, okay. Hey, that's all right. Everybody be happy. That's not what choosing your attitude is about. <laughs> okay. Just to be clear. Um, where you end up as a leader and your team ends up collectively and individually will depend on your attitude and your approach toward continuous improvement. So in this case, the mile marker for mile 10 is choose to have the appropriate attitude, look for ways to be efficient and always seek to continuously improve. Again, just kind of in summary, it really is about caring about other people. I started out that way. And every one of these leaders that I've worked with truly cared about their people. Truly cared about making a difference and imparting something that they had learned to other people and sharing that with others. So I hope you've gotten a lot out of our time together. I appreciate every one of you who listened to the podcast. Um, it was a joy writing the book. It's a joy to sit here and share with you. I've got a smile on my face right now because I'm just thinking of several of the people out there that I know listen to the podcast. There's not a ton of people right now that listen to it, but I appreciate every one of you who have purchased my book and who listen to the podcast. And so until next time, God bless you. Go out and make it a great week. And we will see you next time here on the Miles and the Markers. Thanks for listening.